0: Thank Nick for kicking off last week as we started out the series on the Lord's Prayer, and and he had a good start on it, and just kind of want to move forward as we kind of move through the Lord's Prayer. You know, when Jesus began his ministry, he gathered 12 men to walk along beside him, and they were called disciples. And his purpose for calling them was to prepare them to continue his ministry where he was training them. He taught them through his teachings and he had them memorizing words and understanding what their mission and purpose would be, especially after he was gone and resurrected and the Holy Spirit would come and fill them and lead them. So at one point, the disciples asked them, teach us to pray. And this is where we have the Lord's Prayer as a model of prayer. There was a story that goes back into the 80s about the locker room of the chicago bears calm down terry coon uh, when we talk about the bears back in their super bowl glory days john canassas was serving as a team chaplain and he tells the story about mike dick doing a pep talk in the locker room but he looked over at Refrigerator Perry, and if any of you remember him, he was a defensive lineman that they converted into a running back on goal line stances who weighed 338 pounds, big guy, hard to miss, and as he stood in that room full of professional football players, Dicka said to the fridge, when I finish, I want you to close with the Lord's prayer. So the coach began his pep talk, and Jim McMahon, the crazy quarterback of the... Of the Chicago Bears punched the chaplain Jim and said, Look at Fridge, he doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. And the Fridge sat there with a panicked look on his face as the pep talk was going. His hands were sweating and he's sitting there with his hands in his head in his hands. And the chaplain said, Oh, everybody knows the Lord's Prayer. But after watching the panic on the Fridge's face, McMahon said, Chaplain, I'll bet you 50 bucks that. The fridge doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. And the chaplain thought, here I am, a man of God, sitting in the locker room, and I'm betting 50 bucks with McMahon on the Lord's Prayer. Well, when Coach Dick finished his pep talk, he nodded to Perry, and all the players bowed their head, and it was quiet for a few moments. And then the fridge spoke up in a shaky voice. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And after that was done, the chaplain felt a tap on his shoulder from McMahon and said, golly, here's your 50 bucks. I had no idea he knew the Lord's Prayer. (laughs) (laughs) The story is supposed to be true. You know, how many of us can really say the Lord's Prayer? How many out in the community? You know, last week Nick was talking about it, our Father in Heaven. See, Jesus was teaching a truth that we have a Father in Heaven. You're not here by accident. You were created and made with a purpose. And that should give you meaning and purpose and even clarity in life that there is only one God the Father. Above all, in all, and over all. And then the hallowed means holy. Like he says, and we're told in Leviticus 20, 7 and 8, consecrate yourselves be holy because i the lord your god and decrees follow them and the lord who makes you will make you holy you are to be holy because i the lord am holy and i have set you apart from the nations to be my own god is holy and holy is hard yes this passage was given to the Jews but it's tough for us today to be holy because we live in a world that tries to blur what is the world's way and what is God's way and trying to blend truth with lies. And this verse, "Hallowed be your name" means we ought to be struck by the holiness of God, who who knows no sin. Who His Son was created perfect and 100% pure. Hallowed means holy, honored, revered. And we should be struck in awe of who He is in His name. See, when Jesus was wanting to emphasize something in the Bible, He usually repeated the word in a sentence, like trying to underline for us or highlight. Where he's elevating so it won't get lost with the rest of the words. Where he says, truly, truly, I say to you. Or oh, verily, verily, I say to you. R.C. Sproul, the theologian, was teaching on the holiness of God. And the, the power of repetition to elevate the truth. He said, here's a section of his teaching. And there's only one attribute communicated in the third degree proclaimed by angels not just holy not just holy holy but holy 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 is the lord god almighty and the only thing in the third degree defining the nature and character of god is holy 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 and see that holiness of god that he was talking about is god's very nature isaiah 6 3 says that they are calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who on earth is full of His glory again. And, and Revelation 4, 8 repeats the same thing where they're around the throne saying, Holy, holy, holy. See, we are reminded in 1 Peter 1, 13, 14, and 15. Therefore, with minds that are alert, fully sober, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. See, you are made holy. Because he is holy. We would have no choice. And we couldn't be holy without him. So once he makes you holy. Live holy. Strive to be holy in all you do. See that's why we have worship services on weekends. That is why we do midweek. And have refuel going. And bible studies. And small groups. And Sunday school to help you to remove those own unholy things from your life and repair your worship to god so what needs to be removed from your life it may be there's things in your life that are a poisonous thinking you know one of my pet peeves is is parents who tell me that you know my parents made me go to church so i'm not going to make my kids go to church true you don't want to have to make your kids' decision of faith, and you can't because God gave them free will. But while they're young, you want them taught about this truth. And what is truth in Jesus Christ? And what's the poison of the world? Think about it. We don't do anything else in life where we give people choices, our children. Don't we make them go to school? Don't we make them eat right? don't we make them go to bed we don't do anything anywhere else in our life that we don't force them to do the things that are good for them so why shouldn't we push what's the most important thing which is what they think about god see there is a poisonous thinking in our culture that we get sucked into and we don't let the world form our moral thinking see we gather here on sunday mornings to learn the truth of god so that we can be holy as god is holy and that is why the blessed life is what we pursue so what needs to be removed what needs to be repaired like maybe the reverence of the name of god or your worship Maybe you need to repair your calendar. The world is setting your calendar to where you don't have time for God. See, every seven days since the creation, men and women were to stop and worship because worship settles in our soul who is God. And God's blessing on your life is a freedom for you. And maybe you need to repair the promises you have broken or promises you have made to other people and maybe yourself. Maybe worship and coming here is a time to repair relationships as we look later in the Lord's Prayer where we offer and ask for forgiveness or we forgive or or try to repay debts so that we can be like our Heavenly Father. So we begin our focus with The one we are praying to, our Father, holy is your name. Your will be done. In other words, your purpose lived out in this life. And a priority of his kingdom and will for your life. But then the prayer moves to provision. Give us this day our daily bread. You heard Chad read today. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then give us today our daily bread. This is a reminder that he is our Father. As Max Lucado said, our Father has committed to care for us. We aren't wrestling crumbs out of the Out of a reluctant hand, but rather confessing the bounty of a generous hand. The essence of prayer is really an affirmation of the Father's care. See, because our provisions is God's priority. And notice that word daily. Daily only appears two times in the New Testament. And both times it appears in the Lord's Prayer. And see, as you think of that, what is it saying? Daily or as needed, give us this day our needed bread. It's a prayer for sustenance and not for greedy abundance. It's a reference for our physical needs, where we may have bills to pay, or, or we may need a doctor's or medical care, or we're scratching to put food on the table as we struggle as families. And that may be a question, but what we're praying is, give us this day our daily bread, where we're putting our needs, our provisions, our priorities squarely in the hand of God. See, this verse is about dependence, when we're following the pattern of the lord's prayer we are saying that we depend on god yes we continue to work hard and to earn our wages we try not to be lazy in the way we live our life but this prayer is a reminder that god owns it all did you hear me this prayer is a reminder that god owns it all But God is also the giver of every good and perfect gift. And when we pray for our our daily bread, we're acknowledging that God controls it anyway. And it is in first place. So we come to Him dependent on each meal, on each dollar, each day. It's a daily dependence. It's an ongoing need. Think about it. The Christian life is built on dependence. And God constantly wants you turning to Him. If you continue on in Matthew chapter 6 to verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, in that what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? See, it's a reminder, when we think about God owning it all, it's a reminder that we need not worry. God will take care of our needs. Now, there's no guarantee on our greeds or our wants, but on our needs, God will provide for us. See, worry is holding on to something that belongs in God's hand. Worry is holding on to something that belongs in God's hand. And when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, he's saying, just give us our needs. Nothing more, nothing less. Relying on our our dependence of him. But that's hard for us because we're selfish. We're impatient. We want our physical needs met now, today. While God says, I will give you your bread for today, so depend on me. What do we pray? Give us this day our daily bread. And this verse of the Lord's Prayer challenges us to live a life of contentment. Did you hear me? This verse of the Lord's Prayer challenges us to live a life of contentment. Where we're... Asking not for luxury and abundance, which God could provide. And there's times God does provide luxury and abundance in our life. But this prayer is only asking for what he can provide today. And that is what we can be assured will be enough. Notice 1 Timothy 6, 6 6-8. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Here's that word contentment again. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. See, Paul's reminding us contentment is important. And when we are really dependent on God to provide what, a, what we need, that can move us to a place of contentment and when we have the trust to depend on god what happens is we worry less and less about what we don't have did you hear me we worry less and less about what we don't have and we become grateful for what we do have isn't that the pressure of this world to always do, advertisement, do marketing to make us want something we don't have to get us to loosen up our checkbooks and our credit cards and go for what we need for something we want to move from a need to a greed and this is versus saying to us we can trust god for what we need and when we have it then be content god loves to provide for his children I love what Max Locato says, the kitchen in God's house is no restaurant. It is not owned by a stranger. It is run by your father. It is not a place you visit and leave. It is a place to linger and chat. It is not a place opened, uh, open one house and close the next. The kitchen is available and you don't eat and then pay. You eat and say thanks. See, bread is an important theological concept. You know, Jesus had several I am verses. And what we see in John 6 is him saying that I am the bread of life. And like this loaf of bread sitting here on the altar. He said, I am that bread. That's all you need. You know, I will sustain you. If you read John 6, verses 34, it says, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never grow hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you still do not believe. Jesus is reminding them that I can satisfy. This bread that I am can sustain you. Not only for today, but for all eternity. I am the bread of life. And he goes on to say in verse 47, Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Jesus is asking here, Are you in or out? Are you on the fence about me? Are you with me or not but I am the bread I am right here if you want me you know what happens is so many times we are not just satisfied with the bread are we and we begin looking for other things we begin to look for a church with not only bread but a topping where we say well, that service isn't entertaining enough for me, uh, so I want one with strawberry preserves on it. Or then we go around and look at another one, well, that children's program is, is not what my kids uh, need, I, I really want something that, that will be more entertaining for them. And so we look for some honey to put on the bread. And then we look around and say, well, they talk about tithing, and that's intrusive, and and I don't like that or we look around and say well the Bible doesn't sound it's tedious to read the Bible so I won't read it anymore and what happens is their faith is so immature that they can't depend on the bread they depend on the on the toppings that get put on it so we choose based on our our wants instead of our needs and we try to dress the bread up and if we aren't careful the bread, Jesus Christ, becomes secondary. See, we should be people that our preference is to become dependent on the bread. See, God wants us to know that only His Son, only this bread can satisfy. And He is the the bread of life. See, God doesn't want us to, to miss this. See, He wants us to know that that bread... That is spoken of in Scripture. It is sufficient that Jesus is the standard, all that we need, and that's why, as our Lord and Savior, we should unapologetically know that and offer Him as the bread of life. That we don't have to say, "You have to have the the jam, you have to have the honey, you have to have the cinnamon and the butter." Lift him up unapologetically. That's our message that this bread, this bread of life, can satisfy completely when you depend on it. Let us pray. Lord, we just thank you so much that you provided for us, that you offer us the opportunity to be holy, that you are giving us our basic needs. Let us be people to accept the challenge to live this contented life. A life that is focused on the bread of life. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.